there are so many moments like those three girls that I will take with me wherever I go. It's amazing to see how God's gifts can be used in his kingdom, in his church, and in this world. I have to admit that I have somewhat dreaded this particular morning. There's no way to sugarcoat how I feel. The thought that this will be my last sermon with you. I shouldn't say that because there might be others. But it's brought almost a paralyzing thought for me. But I had to remind myself I chose this fate. And like a child who lets go of the balloon and sees it fly away and that then pitches a tantrum because he can't get it back. But it's hard to feel sorry for me because I chose this. One of my favorite thoughts is a movie that I've watched a number of times called A River Runs Through It. And the father reflects on the mysteries of life and death of his youngest son. Then the father says, we can love completely even if we do not have complete understanding. We can love completely. I have been the beneficiary of that kind of love, especially these last number of weeks, as I've spoken with people and they have shared their hearts with me. There are moments, if I'm honest, that I don't understand myself why I made this decision. But even so, you have lavished your love and support on me and Alice, and I thank you for the grace, because I am undeserving of that love, except I know it is sincere, and I can't take it from you. These past years, many times you would catch me in the foyer after I spoke, and say, I felt you were like you were preaching directly to me. I wanted to say, no, I wasn't. I was preaching to myself and letting you overhear it. I was afraid if I said that that you would think I was kidding, but I wasn't. My passage this morning that I've kind of chosen as a simple little passage of scripture is these words and it's found in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount which is a number of pages in your Bible one could preach on that Sermon on the Mount for 10 years and never really grasp it all but in the middle of that sermon Jesus takes a moment to say do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body what you will wear, is it, 
Is not life more than food and body and clothing? So I guess for the last time, I invite you to listen as I preach to myself. I love this text because it suggests two of the most important things, important lessons for us to learn. And it's what we do and what we seek after. What we let go and when we seek for. What we must let go and what we must seek for. Most of the passage is dedicated to the former, what to let go of. Jesus understood. He understood our lives. He understands our circumstances. He understands the event. He understands the struggles. He understands the joys. He understands all there is to understand about us. And I believe he is constantly trying to encourage us to let go of certain things. He talks about the blessings that are found in the, Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. And he concludes in Matthew where he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus is unusually clear in telling his followers to let go of their worries, their, their need for securing food and clothing. Let the worldly things, he's saying, let go of those things. My wife, if she were to share my, our last weeks and months together as we're making this decision, we have a lot of unknowns. I worry about them more than my wife. She just tends to say, God will take care. You see, I'm not ready to retire. And that's my greatest fear, is that I might move into retirement. And I can't let go of that thought often, but Alice reminds me in her simple way, God will take care. And I shared last week that he's begun to show me things that he's not finished with me yet. And I say to you, my friends, as I leave here, God has got much for each of you to do, no matter your circumstances, no matter your age, no matter your disabilities. God has something for you to do. It might simply be a powerful prayer warrior where you can take that time to speak on our behalf to God. I often wondered after the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I wondered if Jesus might have come to regret, regret the clarity of that, spoke, that statement because immediately following the Sermon on the Mount, he had to feed 5,000 people. So Jesus' teaching is all about wanting letting go, but it's also all about the promises that he will care for us. It's amazing that he demonstrated that very thing to 5,000 people plus women and children who had been following him and were, out, were without food and were hungry. And Jesus provided 
I suspect that many of you, when we go through certain struggles, you do what I do. It's called worry. Worry captivates us. Worry becomes part of our lives in so many different ways. You know, it's hard to talk to, to someone out of being worried. And when you're unsure about the very basics of life, food, shelter, clothing, paying the bills, then worry is a natural reaction. It can be hard to let go of the concern when there's more going out of your bank account than what is coming in. This world brings worry into our lives. I believe that worry comes out of the playground of Satan, the playground of the devil. Because if he can get us focusing on worrying, that's where we stay. And when we worry, it tears us down and handcuffs us and paralyzes us from recognizing that God will care for us. That in our spiritual bank account, it is filled to the brim with God's grace that we can withdraw every day, every moment of every day. And He will fill that grace and He will fill our worries. When our lives are filled with anxiety about our material standing in the world, there isn't much space left for the things that actually give life its meaning. I, I had a demonstration here that kind of blew up in the middle of the first song. You saw that, right? I share with you my friend. That worry can be like this. But when we let go of that, we become that. We soar like eagles for God. Our life is not flat and dull. It's colorful and alive. When we are willing to let go of those things that drag us down and begin to seek after what God wants of us, When we begin to seek action and action steps to what God wants us to, to become. And he says it in very simple terms. Seek ye first the kingdom. And all these things will be taken care of. My words, not his. All these things will be given unto you. You see, there's two steps. We have to let go, and we have to seek. Seek means you start taking steps forward. You start moving towards God, 
and not away from him. He doesn't get lost because we don't see him, as I demonstrated to the children. Because we do not see that God is with us, he is wrong. He is always with us, and he is always wanting us to be with him. The difference, church, often is God wants us wants to be with us, but we lose sight of wanting to be with him. That church is the voice of God in my life when I made this decision. I have loved every second of these five years. There isn't anyone that I have not loved in the understanding of Corinthians 13. I'm going to miss it all. I'm going to miss these children. They're such a dear group of people. And children love so unconditionally. They just love. I've loved each of you because you first loved me. And you said last night how pleased you were and how gracious, how, how joyful you were that I loved you. But I need to say that you, that love became because you loved me. You see, it's easy to love back. It's easy to love back. You took me into your arms and you let me be me. You didn't try to change me. You let me come here from Monday to Saturday with a beard growing or with stubble because I don't like shaving but I can't grow a beard. You let my hair get longer and longer and longer and never once made a remark, although I think some were probably saying, will he ever get it cut? You see, you loved me. And I believe that the example that you have given me is the example that you can give to this community. When we love people first, they will love us. Often we expect people to come to church and we need to love them. But love is a two-way street. When you love someone, they love back. I spoke about that last week, and many of you were playing hooky. I actually prayed for rain to punish you. Didn't work. But as we reach out into the world, I say to you, church, the words of Jesus, and remind you again that weren't here last week, that Jesus, who was who? For those of you who were here last week, Jesus is who? And he came to this world and walked 
according to John 1.14, grace and truth. And I believe the chronological order of that in the Bible is very meaningful. Grace must come first, or they won't understand the word. They won't understand the truth. And so I said to folks last week, and I say to those who weren't here because it's so important to me to leave this with you, please, if we're going to continue to soar the way God is going to take us, let us look at people before we look at their issues. Because if we only look at their issues, we'll lose sight of them. Grace and truth. I have tried to the best of my ability to live that kind of life in the last five years. I spoke to you when I came here about becoming BTVJ. What was that? Some of you know. Become the visible Jesus. I shared those messages with you, and God was saying, that's what you need to be. You see, I was preaching to myself, and you listened. And this church has become more visible about Jesus over the years. And so I leave a healthy church. And I encourage you to never lose sight that God has something for us. We are coming to a time when we're going to make a new decision about the lead pastor. Your board of elders has recommended Pastor Ryan. I support that 100%. Many folks said to me last night, Gary, you came here, you were the right man who came at the right time. And I say to you, Ryan is the right man who has come at the right time. You need to know how much I appreciate him. How much I believe he has the gift set that Thornhill will need to have to continue on. And I said to the congregation last week, and I say it to you, will you love Ryan as much as you've loved me? Will you love his children, Natalie, as much as you've loved Alice? Because he's the right man for the right time. And I will miss our conversations. Even though I have a sneaking suspicion it will be the odd phone call that comes from time to time. But God is moving us forward. 
I am grateful for so many things. I'm thankful for my staff, both past and present, who have been there for me. Not only was their desire to serve God and love God, but they had this inward desire to make me look good. Poor Tina had to work really hard at that. But I love my staff. They're such gifted people. But why I love them more than anything is that they love Jesus above all else. And so I thank them. I thank my elders and leaders who I have partnered with and who I have seen be the visible Jesus in our meetings. There was never tension in our meetings. Oh, there were tough decisions. But the men and women who were there would work through the issues with a sense of grace and understanding. I'm grateful for Etchell and his moderation of our church. How each meeting he would draw us to the reason we're here and he would take us to our mission statement and he would make sure we stay focused. He would always bring personal examples of faith into our conversations. And I love him. I love the laughter times we've had. I love the times we prayed together. I'm thankful for the young adults of this church who have welcomed me into their world, even though I don't understand it, Josh. I had to go home last night. I didn't want to say anything. And I had to whisper to Mike, what was that picture all about anyway? She had to explain it to me. Josh Ross, Josh Ross, preacher, pitcher. Oh, I get it now. But I have loved the young adults of this church. The children of this church. But perhaps more importantly for me, I have loved the seasoned people of this church. If you don't know what that means, that's us old guys. You have poured and showered your love upon me in so many ways. I will miss my steady classes and my teaching times. I thank all the ministry council and the lay leaders that have gathered together to make this church what it is. It's not about Gary Hellard. It's about Jesus. And the minister council has always been focused on that. I thank my community friends who have joined us at a church as they've walked in the door and we've got to meet each other. And they've stayed and grown. You invited me into your world so that I could see the beautiful and painful truths in your life and everyday existence, and my life 
has been forever changed. You've inspired me and helped shape me and my soul into something much deeper than when I came. Your cause, your passion, will always be my cause and my passion. In my first sermon, I spoke about becoming the visible Jesus. Now as the music begins to fade and our dance together comes to an end, I look back and see that this church has made gigantic steps in becoming that visible Jesus. I have loved every twist, turn, and even the awkward moments of not understanding Josh, which have tripped me up from time to time. No pastor could ask for a better memory. May the Lord of the harvest bless you and keep you always. I thought about a blessing that I would give you as I conclude my thoughts. And it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, but I have personalized it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2 to 7. I give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in my prayers constantly remembering your work of faith and labor of love and continued hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your desire to seek our God and Father, knowing fully, brothers and sisters, He has chosen you. His truth and gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. As I pray, I have tried to demonstrate amongst you for the furtherance of the gospel. May you also become living examples of the living Jesus, having received the word in many circumstances, but with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you may become examples, BTVJ, to all the spiritually lost in our city, in our province, in our country, and as far as the Lord will allow you to travel. BTVJ. I began there. I end there. Never lose sight of God's calling on your life to be a living example for Christ. Father, I thank you for these years. I thank you for this church. I thank you for each one who has been part of these ministry years. Thank you, Lord, because they have changed me, and they have prepared me for this next tenure of my life.
as I go away for a number of months to just marinate in the Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you will, you will shine your light upon my thoughts and upon my heart. And I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit will continue to be active in this church, and we will continue to be proud to call ourselves Baptocostals because we believe in the full trinity of, of the gospel head. And we want to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit in wisdom and in truth. And so, Father, as I send forth my days ahead, I commit this church, Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, into your caring hands. And I ask that you continue to pour down grace and truth into their lives, that they will become a witness to wherever they are under the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. I end my time here as pastor but my heart will never leave here. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.